Today, 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 everything changes for you. There is absolutely nothing any of us can do to change our past. But please know that your decision to join us in the purity of our praise unto God today definitely changes your future. St. Peter United decrees that you are worthy, you are loved, you are accepted, and you have a purpose. Our scripture reading today comes to us from Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 13. It reads, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, give us all now the eye of the eagle. Help us to see clearly into all of our hopes, joys, fears, and sorrows. Collectively weave our hands to the gospel plow and tie our tongues to truth. Let us hear from you the still speaking, ever-living God in our midst. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I hope that while you all have been coming here, you have been getting surprised and amazed by some new and different revelations that come out of Scripture. And what I hope you heard today is that Jesus went to the Jordan to be baptized by John. And John was like, no, I shouldn't be baptizing you. Jesus submitted to a ritual to become part of a particular community. The very God that was put into flesh that came to earth that was in a dirty manger has now submitted himself to the authority of another religious figure so that he can join another religious movement and community. Let me go on. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's go here. What is, what is baptism and where did the ritual come from? Well, for us today, baptism is an outward sign of our acceptance of God's grace and love, and it is how we enter into the Christian community. And in, in our church, in the United Church of Christ, you know, we do it differently. There are those who want to be immersed. There are those who want to be sprinkled. Uh, and there are those who want a 
baby baptism right away. Those, those folks come out of the Catholic Lutheran kind of tradition in which babies need to be baptized right away so that they'll go to heaven, right? And then there are those who say, well, I'll wait until my child is a teenager so that they can understand what is going on and they can commit to this thing. You know, I've shared the story of me being a teenager. I really didn't understand what was going on. I just wanted the wafer and the juice. I was sitting in church. I was hungry. I shared that story, right? So some of us came to be baptized through hunger, right, in, in church. So that, that, that is what it is. But I want, to, I want you to understand where the ritual comes from because this has impact on why Jesus did what Jesus did in getting baptized. Baptism comes from another ritual. It was not created by the Baptist church. Baptism comes from another ritual called mikvah. Mikvah is a Jewish ritual in which you go to the temple in Jerusalem, Jewish people go to the temple in Jerusalem to do a mikvah, which is to bathe themselves so that they can purify themselves from their sins or other ritual or other things that has happened that have that has made them not pure or impure. So mikvah, the idea of baptism, is comes out of a Jewish tradition. Jesus, some of y'all have been around long enough to hear this part. Jesus didn't go to the temple to do mikvah. Jesus didn't go to the temple to be baptized. Jesus went out to the Jordan to be baptized by John, who was not even a priest at the temple. Jesus departed from what was going on at the temple. Well, why would Jesus do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. The temple was corrupt. You see this later on when they get together and decide that they're going to crucify Jesus, but the temple was corrupt prior to that. What, what do you mean? What do you mean? The temple was corrupt because the temple is also where all of your, let me put it in our terms, that's where all of your credit card debt and payday loans and mortgages were held. They were all held at the temple. But Rome was in charge of setting the interest rate. So the temple priests were in collusion with, I know this word is nasty these days, they were in collusion with the government. So Jesus said, I am not going to be a part of bathing in that water. I'm going to go out and bathe in the water with the rest of these tree-hugging hippies out here who are refusing to be a part of the corruption that is happening at the temple. Some of y'all are like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be in St. Peter. I don't know if it's a place. Maybe we're a little bit more like the church that was at the River Jordan than some of the churches that you've been a part of. If you are where other folks are saying you shouldn't be, you're more than likely to be out by the River Jordan. Other places we're showing up at because we have to show up there. It's the right thing to do to be there. This is where we are known. This is what we should do. And we're submitting to the authority and the corruption and stuck in oppression. Any movement that does not give you freedom is oppressing you. 
and the people who were at the River Jordan had had absolutely enough. So they decided to form their own movement. They decided to form their own community. And Jesus, by way of getting baptized, joins the community. Jesus realized that the movement for justice and for freedom had already started. And so it was for him to step into the movement that was already going on. And by virtue of being baptized by somebody else, this is mostly where we get part of our theology around the priesthood of all believers. In that all of us are called to be ministers of the gospel of love and justice and peace. You don't have to have R-E-V in front of your name. John the Baptist didn't have R-E-V in front of his name when Jesus went to him to be baptized. John was not an ordained minister of the, of the Christian gospel when Jesus went to get baptized. Oh, dare I say Jesus is not a Christian. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Let me stop. Let me stop. Oh, oh my God. Let me, I'm going to stop. Let me stop there because I done already messed up some stuff for folks. Okay, 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 okay. Baptism promises. Jesus didn't have to say any words but now when we get baptized, we have to say some, some magic words. We have to say and commit to something when we get baptized because that is how we join a Christian community is through baptism. And we, and we make promises. It's not just our membership, but it's, it's, our, it's also our baptism. So here's in the United Church of Christ, here are some the words that we put in our, in our baptism promises, which are pretty much pretty standard in most churches mainline churches. If you're in a Baptist church, you probably didn't make any promises to just ask you to profess your faith and just whoosh, under you went, right? So, but I, I like, I like the fact that in our denomination, we actually have promises similar to the Episcopal church, the Catholic church. We actually have promises you make. And one of those promises is, do you renounce the powers of evil and desire the freedom of new life in Christ? Now, I just told you about the Jesus that went out to the River Jordan to be baptized by these tree-hugging hippies and justice warriors who were rebelling against this corrupt empire. So when I hear this question, I'm thinking about that Jesus. I'm not thinking about the Jesus that just saves my soul or saves me from sin. I'm thinking about the Jesus that went out to the River Jordan. So when I hear, do you renounce the powers of evil, I hear, do you renounce the powers of corruption and evil and injustice in your generation? Do you renounce what is going wrong in your generation? Do you renounce the things that are holding people back in your time? And do you desire freedom of new life in Christ? Now, here's the good thing about God's grace. The question says, do you renounce the powers of evil? Some of us have... have once we get baptized, we're not quite, we're a work in progress. So you renouncing the powers of evil is probably not going to stop you from cussing folks out and acting a fool. But I just want to remind you that you promised to renounce the powers of evil. So somewhere along the way, you should cuss people out a little bit less 
You should come unglued a little bit less. You should try to connect with people a little bit more. And do you embrace the new life, the freedom of new life in Christ? People think about freedom as being something as, as, as like I, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just free in Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a phrase they just throw out there. But the question is, are you truly free? Are you still praying for God's forgiveness after you do your stuff on Saturday night? Are you still praying for God's forgiveness when you have an impure thought that someone told you you're not supposed to be having? Are you truly free in Christ? Are you doubting your marriage? Are you doubting your relationship? Are you doubting the things that you like? Are you truly embracing freedom in Christ? Do you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior? A lot of people have an issue with this one, and this language is very, it's very, it's very difficult for some people to, to accept. Let me tell you how your pastor agrees with this statement. One of my papers I wrote, my, the, the late James Cone, who's black theology, uh, black theologian, he, he founded Black Liberation Theology, and he was my advisor in seminary. And we didn't always agree on things, but, but I went, I, I, uh, he only gave like three grades in the whole class, which just made me absolutely, I had anxiety the whole semester. <laughs> three grades. And he's one of these people, you know, he was a black professor, and he, he had achieved a Ph.D. in a time when there weren't a bunch of black Ph.D.s, and he was writing and put out a bunch of work. And, and so to him, you know, he said, you, you should be reading eight hours a day. And I'm like, well, you prescribe enough reading to keep me busy for 16 hours a day, and I got three other classes I got to worry about. You should be reading eight hours a day. And I, and I told him, I said, I don't know if I'm able to do that, but I will tell you that I am, I am struggling in your class. I'd failed the midterm, which was in one of those, those blue, this is how old school he was, when you have to write it by hand in the little blue notebook, the little blue book. Yeah, you get like three questions, and you got to write it in a little, little blue notebook. Yeah. You, you still give those? <laughs> you used? <sighs> failed it. Absolutely failed it. And he said something to me that changed my life because I was struggling with all these different images of Jesus Christ that people, there was the black Jesus, there was the, 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 friend, the, the friendly Jesus in gay theology, and then there was the, the, the uh, exemplar of Jesus in, in, in black womanist theology. There were all these ideas of different Jesuses that I was struggling with. And he said to me, I need you to write about where Jesus meets you in your pain and suffering. And so I wrote something that was called SGL theology, same gender loving theology. And I, I proposed that for me and for most black gay men, Jesus has to be Lord and Savior. When you are a person who has not had any power in your life, any strength in your life, you have fought for everything that, that you have. You have felt helpless. Maybe you've been diagnosed with HIV and you've been near death. When everything has gone awry in your life and there's nothing else that seems to give you control, I need a Jesus that asserts control and power. 
And so it is not about the Jesus who just saves my soul, but it is about the Jesus who saves me in my skin, the Jesus that is about liberation, the Jesus that is about freedom, the Jesus that cares about me in my skin in this time and in this moment. So it is not about Jesus as Lord over all the people and Savior over all the people, but it's real. Not a theological concept but a way of living and a way of being real. So I submit to you, if that, if that is you, that is something that maybe you, you, can live, you can live into. But also, this Jesus who is Lord and Savior, he also joined a radical bunch. He also was free to do it. And, and it led to his death. And through his death, we find all of this salvation that we call today. So it is a radical way of looking at Lord and Savior that is contrary to what the world typically considers as Lord and Savior. It is a, I think the phrase is a transvaluation of values. It is the opposite of what the world says. So to me, that is what I needed in my, in my life. Do you promise by the grace of God to be Christ's disciple, to follow in the way of our Savior, to resist oppression and evil, to show love and justice, and to witness to the work and the word of Jesus Christ as best you are able? I'll tell you, this week, because <laughs> some, somebody asked, I, I said I, I, was, I was in Austin and, and the legislature kicked off this week, and so going door to door and saying hello to people and checking in, and, and Marcus loves it when I'm like, yes, hello, I'm you know, Reverend Leslie Jackson, pastor of St. Peter United Church of Christ. Oh, where's that church? Oh, it's in, it's in Spring Branch in, in Houston. Oh, what is it? Oh, it's part of the United Church of Christ. Yeah, my predominant outreach is to LGBTQ. I want you to know that Jesus is showing up in other ways than what your pastor has been teaching you. I want you to know that there is another way of justice, love, and peace, and that there's other clergy that are standing up for people that you just introduced a bill to oppress. Do you resist oppression and evil to show love and justice and witness to the word and work of Jesus Christ as best you are able? It is not enough to just be able to sit here and come into this sanctuary and raise your hands and say, thank you, Jesus, for all the good that's in my life. Do you think those in the early civil rights movement, since we're celebrating MLK tomorrow, do you think that they were content with just accepting a Jesus who was Lord and Savior and allowing the world to continue to happen just the way it was happening? I believe Rosa Parks, when she sat down in that bus, said, today I'm resisting some evil. Today I'm going to change something and move something around. She did that because Jesus Christ was her Lord and Savior in a very particular way. You show love and justice and witness to the work. Do you promise, according to the grace given you, to grow in the Christian faith and to be a faithful member of the church, of Jesus Christ, celebrating Christ's presence, and furthering Christ's mission in all the world. I'm going to just sum it up like this. No guilt, no guilt, no guilt, no guilt, no guilt. Just go to church. That's what this was said. Are you showing up for your community and showing up for your church? Are you showing up to be with the people that are journeying on the same journey that you were on? Whether you're joining online or whether you're joining in person, showing up in person, are you joining in a community and being a faithful member of that community. Here's the point today. 
as Jesus has testified and others have testified in the scriptures. A commitment to community is a commitment to change. I think a lot of us know that, which is why we hide. Which is why a church like this can be a little uncomfortable because there's not 5,000 people here, so I, I, you can't hide from me. And I'm glad most of you sit where you normally sit because this is how I take attendance. Some pastors tell you not to, not to claim pews and not to do that. I'm, I, you know, don't be mean to people who are visiting, right? Let them sit there if they get there before you. But just know if you're not sitting in your pew in your spot, I notice if you have not, if you have not been here. And after a certain amount of time, some of y'all are aware of it, after a certain amount of time, I, I give a lot of grace, like almost, well, I'm not going to tell you how long because I don't want you to test me. But I give a lot of grace. And after a certain amount of time, somebody, if not me, will reach out and say, where are you at? What's going on? A commitment to community is a commitment to change. A lot of people have left this church because it brushed up against something that they haven't healed. A lot of us don't like critique and feedback. Because critique and feedback gets seen as something that, that, that demeans your value. But really, in this community, when there is critique and feedback, it's about us getting better together. Maybe nobody else will call you out on your stuff. This is the one place you ought to be like, Pastor, what am I doing wrong? What don't I see? What am I, what, what's, what's happening? What, what, what do I, and, and be willing to accept what's going to be said. Marcus will tell you, and he tries to correct me all the time, but every time something goes wrong or doesn't happen or doesn't work out or whatever, 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 who do I blame? He just said it, myself. I blame myself for everything that I blame myself. It's my fault I didn't do something right. It's my fault I didn't develop that person. It's my fault I should have checked in. It's my fault. I always continuously blame myself. And then he says, let's think through this. What can you do better? But then also, what, what is going on in that situation in folks' lives? I'm telling you, if you show up enough, this community will change you. The more you're around here and the more involved you are, this community will change you. The more you're around here and the more involved you are, the more you will see when my hair comes down and my bobby pins fall out and I have to start saying things that are not very Christian. But that is the moment in which people say to me, well, pastor, let's not uh, hold on. <laughs> right? A community is a commitment to change. What can community change for you? How many, no, don't put your hand up. Some of us are still stuck at home. We're still in COVID mode. And if you're like me, it takes an act of Congress to get you to leave the house. 
Marcus would say to me, you've been in the house for three days. I'm like, I have everything I need here. Instacart brings my groceries. You come home at a certain time. You leave. I, have, I can work from here. I can do everything. And so I have, to, I have to remind myself, get out of the house. Go and be around people. This is not, COVID may not be over, but it is not such a threat that you have to stay in the house. You are not alone. Being in a community helps you to see that you are not alone. Being in community helps you to see that we are all dealing with COVID post-traumatic stress syndrome. Being in community helps you to understand that your situation is not the only situation. You're not the only one that has lost a job. You're not the only one that is having financial difficulties. Being in community can help you understand that you are not alone. Experience love, acceptance, worthiness, and purpose. It breaks my heart when it's been two or three occasions where someone has said, I just don't feel connected. I just, I don't know that St. Peter is it for me. I don't feel connected. It breaks my heart because the thing I want to say is, where have you been? You can't experience connection if you're hiding at home. You can't experience connection if you don't log on to the Zoom call. You can't experience connection if you don't come to church. You can't experience connection if you don't go to the supper club. You can't experience, for some of us, this is the only form of connection we have. How will you experience that love, the acceptance, the worthiness and purpose if you have, I I don't know, maybe unknowingly disconnected? But for me to say something would be accused of me gaslighting you. So I don't. I just accept what the person is saying and what they're going through. But the reality is you cannot say you're not connected when you're not showing up. That's not, that's just, I mean, am I, am I losing it or th- that, that's not fair, right? You can't say you're not connected if you're not showing up. Experience love, acceptance, and purpose. Some of you are looking for your purpose and your job is not giving it to you. And when I ask for people to volunteer or to show up or to be in these ministries, I'm not asking just because we really, really just need the help. I'm asking because you might find your purpose. For years, churches, black churches, white churches, synagogues, mosques, all of these places provided people with the opportunity to find their purpose because they couldn't get it anywhere else because of the harshness of the world because of how life forces us into jobs we don't like and to do things we don't want to do but on Sunday or Saturday or Friday you could be in your community and find your purpose maybe in the beginning your purpose won't make you any money maybe it's just about showing up for yourself first Leadership. Community can provide leadership. Now, I, 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 I love this one because there are folks in this congregation. If I mention leadership position, they run. I've never seen people move faster on foot. <laughs> but there are some folks who are called, not some, all, who are called to be leaders. 
And a leader doesn't mean you have some grand title. A leader means that you are showing up, you are stepping up, people can see you participating. That is what is called leadership, so that other people will want to do the same. That is something that church provides. Maybe you haven't been able to be a leader on your job, but there's plenty of opportunity to be a leader here. We have no shortage of different organizations we want to partner with. Some of you have wrote me about like, hey, what are we what are we going to do for community service and what are we doing for this and what are we doing for that? Trust me, your pastor has no shortage of things that you can do and connect with. The problem is, for us, who wants to lead? And I'm not going to kill myself being a Christian for you. I'm a, I got enough to deal with being a Christian for myself. Leadership. Accountability. When I worked for the Houston Food Bank, we changed what accountability means. We said it means to see it, own it, solve it, and do it. Most of us have learned accountability to mean I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to come after you and get you, and I'm going to make sure that you're accountable. But accountability to me means see it, own it, solve it, do it. The next time the toilet paper runs out in the restroom, you don't tell Cindy or me or anybody or Shelly the toilet paper's out. You know what you say? Where is the toilet paper so I can restock it? Well, it is in the cabinet, but sometimes it's not, right? Where is it so I can? Because here's the thing. For those of you who are, who are members of this church, this is your church. This is not Leslie Jackson's church. This is your church. You pay the bills. You are responsible for the building. You elect the leadership. This is your church. You should know more where the toilet paper is than I do. I don't even use those restrooms. <laughs> See it, own it, solve it, do it. Pastor, there's, there, was, there was glass out in the, in the side. Get a broom. Pastor, I noticed the coffee wasn't ready. Join the hospitality committee. Pastor, I noticed that on the, on the online that you, the, the words were missing from this one bit. Join the AV community. It is, this is, this is our house. This is our stuff. See it, own it, solve it, do it. I don't know what church you may have come from, but this is a congregational church. You run this stuff. I get here and get to do a motivational encouragement speech every week, but you run it. It's yours. You can be accountable for it. I love when our neighbors are driving by and they see kids doing something on the property. They will email info at St. Peter or they'll try to call and leave a message and say something is happening because as members of Spring Branch, I assume that they just have some kind of ownership over the property to make sure that nobody gets hurt or nothing bad happens. It's that same kind of ownership and accountability that we need in this church. This is what Dr. King says. As my suffering mounted, I soon realized that there were two ways that I could respond to my situation. Either to react with bitterness 
or seek to transform the suffering into a creative force. The suffering in the world is not going to go away. The suffering and the pain that you are going through is real. But if we are somehow able together in this community to take the things we are going through and turn it into a creative force, that is when Jesus is made Lord and Savior. That is when salvation actually comes. That is when possibility is created, when we can turn what we are going to through into a creative force. All of the people in the civil rights movement, Dr. King and a lot of those black churches back in the day, they knew how to turn their suffering into a creative force. They knew how to show up for each other. They knew how to be community. They knew, knew how to support each other. I'll tell you, Marcus's church down in Silsby, Texas, because he comes from kind of the neck of the woods I come from, in East Texas. Uh, I'll never forget this story when um, his, his uncle, one of his uncles, well, his family really is, I mean, it's incredible. You, the cornerstone on the church has his family's name on it. And... Um, but I remember there was a situation after, was it Hurricane Harvey? After Hurricane Harvey, Ike, the church had no money. They had, there, there was a lot of issues, a lot of problems going on. And for whatever reason, some of the deacons actually tossed around the idea of taking out second mortgages on their house to make sure the church got repaired. And I told Marcus, I have never heard of anything like that. And then the more I talk to his family, apparently this is, this is what some black churches have been doing for a long time. The deacons have been taking out second mortgages and doing all kinds of stuff to make sure the church could, could, could be sustained. Now, in some cases, now we all know the building fund lasts for forever and some people shouldn't, right? But in, but in some of these cases where the congregation felt that it was responsible for the survival of its community, these people stepped up and did what they had to do. Don't worry, I'm not gonna ask you to take out a second mortgage on your house. But they knew how to turn their suffering into possibility. This is about resistance to the status quo. Jesus went out and joined that community instead of doing what the status quo of the day was. Jesus did something different than other people were doing in his time and in his religion and in his faith. The act of showing up here, showing up for this community and showing up for yourself is a matter of resistance to the status quo. It's a matter of saying, I don't want to do what everything else, what everyone else has been doing. I've said this several times, we want to be the leading church of people living on purpose. We can't do that if we won't show up for each other and support each other and be changed by each other. I cannot tell you how many times, you know, I'm grateful for my relationship with Yanni and Joaquin 
and, 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 and there's a long story and a history to that because at one point we were the only people of color in this church. And some of you are like, why are y'all so close? Well, it goes all the way back to when we were, it was just what a handful of us who were people of color in this church. But we developed a friendship, we developed a relationship because of this church. And I can't tell you how many times we've cussed each other out. That's not for, that's not for you to know. I can't tell you that they don't get on my nerves. They get on my nerves. And I'm sure, I'm sure they say the same thing about us, that well, I can't believe, look at what they, you know, like, I, it's, but getting annoyed with each other is part of learning each other. It's part of building community. It's part of growing. I can't tell you how many times Cleve has had to tell me not to go off on Marcus behind things. He's a therapist. He's been in a relationship for a long time. I call him. I say, this, this, well, I, I have some choice words. But I say this one over here. And, and, and he has had to tell me, is it a one or is it a ten? I can't tell you how many of the relationships I know about Shelly and Latreva and Angela and Devaney, right? All these connections, Cindy, and just there's so many connections that have been made. But you know why those connections have been made? They showed up. And by show up, I don't mean just here on Sunday. I mean at the supper clubs. I mean when Honey's hosting an event, showing up. I mean when there's something going on in the city. There's something going to be going on in Balmoral soon. There's, they've shown up when it was time to show up. We will not be changed unless we show up for each other. Reminder, Enneagram information is going to be out this week. We will send the link of where you can purchase to sign up for your Enneagram. If you want to talk about change, you have to understand what your personality is. So we will be doing that. Um, so we'll send out that information. February 12th is Super Bowl. Did I spell it right this time, Megan? I keep having an issue between supper and super. Did I spell it? Okay, all right. My spell check doesn't, I don't know why they make the children learn spelling these days. Well, maybe this is why, because the machine doesn't always catch it. February 12th, Super Bowl Sunday. This is a great opportunity to connect and build community. I already know there's some Cowboy fans in the house, and I just can't stand it. I am so over the Cowboys. So why don't all of you sinners get together and wear your Cowboy jerseys on Super Bowl Sunday, okay? I don't know. And y'all let Michael come in here with that heathen clothes on today too. I told him, I said, he got on his cowboy clothes. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> this may seem silly and funny to you, but this is a great way of connecting with other people in the church. We got all these, these AKAs wearing, I, ski, ski we wearing, I, they understood the assignment. I know there's some deltas in here. Some, somebody in here got to be a delta. I don't, there, oh, see, there you go. Right? Who, who, there's an, Sigma, uh, <laughs> so you, you all might not have known that about each other, but that's a great opportunity for you to connect with each other and build a relationship. So Super Bowl Sunday, I'm still in between the Saints and the Raiders, but we'll see which one I show up with um, on that day, Super Bowl Sunday. February 19th. 
congregational meeting. Mark your calendars. We need you here if you're a member so that you can vote, so that we can pass the budget for 2023. That is a good day to show up. If you come from a church where you're like, I don't understand where the money's going to. Why is pastor driving a Mercedes? I don't understand what's going. If you go to a church where you've had questions about the money, you need, you need to show up at the congregational meeting. You will have all the information around the budget and you're responsible for passing it so that the church can continue to operate. February 19th is a great day to show up and voice your opinion about things. That is how community is created, right? February 19th is joining Sunday. If you are a person that's like, I like what he's been saying and I've been sitting around here for a while. February 19th is the joining Sunday day. And after you join that day, you will be eligible to also vote in the congregational meeting. We stand on the shoulders of giants. Dr. King, the civil rights movement, those Germans that founded this church, we are only here today because they believed in their community and they committed to change. That is the invitation that I offer you today, to commit to this community so that together we can be changed for the better, to live into the image and the way of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let us join together in prayer. Gracious and loving God, thank you so much for the gift of community. Earlier we sang, we won't go back, that today we have been changed. Help us to understand that change happens in community, that change is possible for each of us. The Apostle Paul wrote that we only see in a mirror dimly, but soon face to face we shall see all of the possibility of Christ in us. Help us to view our church as part of our transformation process. Help us to view our church as part of what turns us into beautiful butterflies. and people of peace, love, hope, and joy. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. <laughs> what we will be is marvelous. What we will be is magnificent. Together the glory of the Lord shall shine upon us. Our hearts and our doors will be open to all of the beauty, all of the beliefs, all of the ways that we can truly connect and create community. Help us to lean in, help us to challenge ourselves so that we can be changed together. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.